Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum. As always, and like we do on every Thursday, we give you the preview for the upcoming opponent for the New York Giants. They're now facing the Washington Redskins with two games left to play. Redskins not off to a great season. 3-11 on the year as they're transitioning to their rookie quarterback, Dwayne Haskins. Last time these teams played, Daniel Jones was the starter. Dwayne Haskins came in relief. Giants got the victory 24-3, and the Giants are hoping to get another victory to get their fourth win this week. Like we do every single preview show, we're going to be giving you the offensive and defensive game plan, and as we lead into the offense, we're a bit unsure who's going to be starting at quarterback. On Wednesday, rookie quarterback Daniel Jones was a full participant. We don't know, though, for sure if he will be the starting quarterback. However, that begs the question, if he's available, should he play, and because we don't know what's going to happen, will he be the guy playing? I'll start off by saying I think he does play this week. I think he does start. I am not really sure about whether or not he should be starting and playing this week. He had a high ankle sprain, so unless the Giants were exaggerating the severity of the injury, then missing two games, basically having two a week and a half from when it was diagnosed – that is an awfully quick turnaround from a high ankle sprain, even a moderate one, like they said. I would be a little bit concerned that he would be like Saquon Barkley was when he came back from his high ankle sprain. You know, just not quite as twitchy or mobile as we've seen. And you know, getting through a scripted practice is one thing. Playing playing in a real chaotic game situation is another thing. And I would be worried that he might try to do things that he normally can, but wind up not being able to do things and maybe have a setback or re-injure the ankle. Yeah, the way that I look at it, and you you pointed to one key thing here, that he is going to be prepared sooner than I think a lot of people would have expected. When you have an ankle injury, it usually takes a while for that to actually be good to move on. It might be cleared and healthy, but you might not really feel comfortable, which we saw with Saquon Barkley. I think that it's very positive that the first practice of the week that he is practicing with the first team and getting all those reps, that's a pretty good sign. I don't really think, though, that they should really be rushing him back just for the reason of if he's not 100% and he's not fully comfortable, what's really the point of putting him out there to, one, be in pain, and then also, two, not be capable of playing at full speed. He's not really learning much if he's not able to play at that full game speed, so it might not really be that beneficial for him. I could see the argument of, oh, if he's healthy, get him out there, help him learn, but 
if he's not a hundred percent and he, and as long as if he doesn't say that like, Oh, I don't feel anything. There's no pain. I can, can move completely fine. That's a different case. But just in the sense that if he's not fully there yet, there's no point in really rushing him back with only two games left in the season in a season that has no playoff implications on it. Yeah, exactly. And also I think, or at least hope the giants should take the venue into consideration. FedEx field is almost notoriously gnarly at the end of the year. Grass field, and by the time you get into December, it's pretty tore up. I think we can all remember back to when Robert Griffin had his knee knee injury. The Redskins basically put him back into the game, and he went down again on that field, and that was pretty much it for his career as a starter. So I think the Giants have to basically weigh their desire to get Jones out there with the potential risk that being out there could carry and risk over and above the risk you normally take anytime you step out onto a football field. Yeah. And the other thing too here is that in colder weather, it's going to be about 40 degrees in DC this weekend in colder weather, re-injuring stuff and, and aggravating things is more likely it's something that you might not really think of or consider, but when it's cold out, it's just, it's a lot easier to aggravate and, and make things a lot worse when you're dealing with an injury like that, whether it's a knee, whether it's an ankle, something like that, it's just going to make it feel worse. If any of you've played sports that are outdoors, or if you played football, you can probably relate to that, but it's just, it's just something that it's just not ideal situations for a guy. As long, if he's completely healthy, I'm not opposed to, to him going out there, but if he still, there's any, setbacks and saying that like, oh, I, I can't fully push off. It's a little bit uncomfortable. I don't think there's really much of a point. You might as well just put Eli Manning out there because he was able to get a win last week against the Miami Dolphins. And in terms of talent, this team is very similar. So when we talk about this this defense, that whoever's going to be starting a quarterback with this Giants offense is going to be going up against Chris, what do you think is their biggest threat that we should be aware of? Their pass rush easily. Washington doesn't have a great run defense. I think you could argue that they're really more of a middling run defense that just sees a ton of volume because for most of this year, their offense has not been good, but their pass rush has been good. It has been really one of the best units in the NFL. Washington has 42 sacks on the season, which is fifth most in the NFL. And it's not like they have any one player who is just teeing off. They get sacks from a lot of players and really from across their defensive front, defensive tackles, defensive ends, outside linebackers. They're all generating pressure. So that I think is something that could be a big pivot point in this game, especially if Kevin Zeitler is not healthy. This Redskins defense is is just so odd to look at just to break it down from a a talent and personnel standpoint, also statistically, because if you look at their defensive line, which I a hundred percent agree with you is their biggest threat, their strongest unit out of any of them, despite having some good guys in their secondary, like Landon Collins, some decent linebackers, their defensive line has a lot of guys that are built to be very good run defenders like Jonathan Allen, like Deron Payne. Those guys from Alabama, young guys, are built to be very good run defenders, but they're one of the worst teams at stopping the run in the NFL. Oddly enough, though, this team, with the amount of pass-rushing talent that they have 
on their defense with Montez Sweat, with Ryan Anderson, or with Nate Orchard. They've got a, it's not one guy who's dominating. It's it's spread out from all of these guys in their outside linebacker position, from their uh, outside defensive ends in their three four scheme that they run. All of those guys are are good enough to put them as the seventh best team statistically when it comes of uh, getting after the quarterback. So while they're they should be better at stopping the run, they still are a threat to be good against an average offensive line, which. We know the Giants doesn't have the the Giants don't have the best offensive line. They could have a good game stopping the run if they come ready to play. But the big thing that needs to be that we need to be worried about is dealing with their pass rush and the amount of guys that they have. There's not one guy we can really key here. One guy that we can say like, hey, they need to double team him or they need to be aware of where he is on the field. It's it's a complete full unit, and they're very good at scheming opportunities for guys to get sacks. Yeah, it's kind of the similar issues and problems the Giants had with the Green Bay Packers defense. There isn't any one player who just stands out above the rest. It's they have a bunch of guys while they don't have the two Smiths like Green Bay does. Their interior defensive line is really good. Matt Ioannidis is he leads the team with eight and a half sacks. He is one of the best pass rushing defensive tackles in the NFL. Jonathan Allen is a good defensive tackle just all the way around. He's a good run defender. He's a good pass rusher. He had eight sacks last year. He's got five this year, so he could double up and get eight again this year. Then Montez Sweat, he had a slow start to the season, but he's starting to come on just as he gets used to playing outside linebacker, which is a change from how he from the basically five technique defensive end he played in college the Redskins lost Ryan Kerrigan for the season but they signed Nate Orchard he came in and has been a disruptive player for them over the last three games Ryan Anderson who I think kind of gets a little bit forgotten he has been disruptive from his linebacker position so it's just all over the place and the Giants' communication and blocking schemes are going to have to be on point. Certainly, and that Redskins defense is built well from the base with a lot of young players. In the next few years, they could fill that defense out and be very, very good. But right now, they're struggling against the run, which is a very key thing that's going to go into the Giants' offensive game plan, which, my opinion, I think that the real key here in the game plan needs to be getting back to what worked last week being very, very run-heavy. Saquon Barkley had over 20 carries, which does not happen often this year. There's been a tendency of games where they'll start throwing early and often on you know first and third down, second and third down, and when they don't move the ball and they're in third and long, they're forced to keep throwing the ball, and then they end up behind a touchdown or two, and it's 35 to 40 passing attempts, an unrealistically high amount, which does not work well for this offense. The offensive line looked really good against a subpar defensive line. You got to ride that momentum. You got to ride the fact that the offensive line had a good week. Even if Kevin Zeitler's not in and you have Nick Gates, you have to ride that kind of momentum and also ride the momentum of Saquon Barkley, who rushed over 100 yards. Get him to that point where he can get the ball 25 times for 100 yards. You don't need to throw over 250. It's not really the key for this game. Establish the guy who has proven to be 
your consistent go-to player as a running back and also an elite-level player when he's fully healthy. It looks like he's fully healthy right now. They didn't have him last time they played the Redskins. If they give him the rock, he can have a big game. Yeah, I would say this game is going to have to be a, a really complete team game. I think a lot of the, the Redskins' difficulty with the run comes from the fact that they haven't been generating many points on offense themselves. So this is going ahead a little bit to the defensive side, but the Giants defense is going to have to keep their offense in check. And then the Giants offense, when they get opportunities to score, are going to have to put points on the board. Then they'll be able to stay with the run and get that volume of carries like they were able to last week when they got the lead and were able to just pull away from a Dolphins team that just did not have the talent to play from behind and overcome their own mistakes. If the Giants can do that, they should be able to run the ball and play the same kind of game they did last week. If they get into a position where they have to throw, if they aren't able to put points on the board, or if the, the Washington's offense has a complete 180 from the type of game they had way back in week four, then things start to get a little bit interesting, and then that pass rush is going to start to come into play. It was a nice little tease you had there coming up for the defensive game plan, which we're going to get to shortly. But the one thing that you, you brought up, and then I want to kind of take it and run with, is that the Giants offense, if, if they run the ball effectively or if they can't run the ball effectively, and, and Washington's defense sells out to stop Saquon, and the rushing attack, whoever's getting the ball, if they're selling out to stop them, then is the point in time that you say like, hey, let's set up, you know, use this to set up play action. Let's use this to open up our passing game if they're so desperate to stop our running game. But if you come out throwing the ball early, they're going to do what every single other defense does, which is hope that the Giants offense turns the ball over and take advantage of it. Up next, we're going to discuss the defensive game plan, what you need to know about the Giants defense for this upcoming matchup. Before we do that, we're going to take a very short commercial break. Up next now, we're talking about defense. And the first thing that we want to discuss here is that it's, it's been a while since these two teams played. It was the very beginning of the season. Giants got the victory over the Redskins at MetLife. So the real question here is, what's changed? What's different since that last time they played? I would say the, the two things that have really changed are Terry McLaurin being healthy, which didn't happen last time, and Dwayne Haskins is starting to come into his own after being named their starter. His first game was really rough. It was not pretty at all. He improved a little bit his second game. And then this past week against the Eagles, he had a very efficient, very strong game and really largely mistake-free. The big one that you pointed out here is is Dwayne Haskins, who's been stepping in and starting, and he's gradually been improving. Not been a crazy game-breaker, as, as many rookies aren't really capable of having huge statistical performances and leading your team to victories, but he was key in keeping the Redskins close last week against the Philadelphia Eagles because he was more consistent than he's been. But the other thing, too, that we have not seen from the Redskins, which we didn't see especially in the first time, was Terry McLaurin, their stud 
rookie wide receiver who has been, I would argue, top five in all rookies in general, but also at the receiver position among all rookies. He's statistically in the top. He's a big play threat that he can take any pass to the to, um, to the house. He can score from any point in the field. He's very, very fast. He's athletic. He's very underrated, too, because he was drafted a little bit later on. I think a lot of people don't really expect him to be this huge, big play guy, but they have a huge offensive weapon in, in him for many years to come. So McLaurin is somebody that needs to be eyed every single time the Giants defense steps on the field. You need to know where he is. You need to know what he is going to be doing. You need to have your best corners on him. Maybe it's not the best decision to put DeAndre Baker on him, but if you want to test it out early and see if DeAndre Baker can play on him in press, try doing that. If not, try to go to some of the other younger guys and see who can stop him or potentially using some bracket coverage because if he beats one person, he's going to go straight to the end zone for a touchdown. Yeah, and that was what he did at Ohio State with Dwayne Haskins, which I think is something that... I don't want to say gets overlooked, but maybe a little bit forgotten about in the middle of the season is that these two have already have a year playing together and playing at a very high level together. They know how each is going to react to different situations. Uh, McLaurin knows how to catch a ball from Haskins and Haskins knows how to deliver the ball to McLaurin. And he is and has been a big play threat. Right now he's averaging 16.3 yards per reception. And the Giants still have a tendency to give up big plays and big plays in the passing game. So that's something they're definitely going to be have to be aware of. And I honestly would not be against them bracketing him from the first play. Just all game long, keep a corner and a safety on McLaurin. Let everybody else figure out everything else. Just do not let him beat you because he can beat you fast. That pre-established chemistry that you pointed out, I would argue is a big reason why Dwayne Haskins appears to be a bit more comfortable than he was early on in the season, especially the first time we saw Haskins against the Giants early on this year, which he really did not have a good completion to that game. On to Dwayne Haskins, though. What we really need to know about him, and I I think that we've talked about this a lot in the sense that he's improving. He's Getting better each week. He had a good game last week, first time going over 250 yards passing. He had two touchdowns against the Eagles. You know, the Eagles' defense is not really that great, but he still had a good, improving performance. But the one thing that we need to talk about Dwayne Haskins is he's got a big arm, but he's not exactly that accurate. He doesn't throw a ton of passes, has not thrown a huge amount of passes in his time starting this season. And you can kind of see why. You, you watch plays where he misses wide open receivers. You watch plays where he is a bit off in his touch. And th- that's something that he's going to learn and improve at. But I, I think that he might be the most inaccurate rookie quarterback right now that's starting and playing. He's not consistent with that accuracy. And that's something the Giants really need to take advantage of. I read something from somebody who has covered him going back to Ohio State. And it's, they said he is basically a slow starter, even going back to high school, where his first couple games at a new level would be ugly, really. But then as he found problems, he would fix them and get better. Yeah, Over the last uh, four games, going back to week 12, 
his completion percentage has jumped uh, eight points, seven points, and then eight points again. Yeah, you know, last game he was up to sixty-seven point nine percent completion. Back in week twelve against the Lions, he was at forty-four point eight. So, if he is if he is figuring things out, if he's getting used to the speed of the game, and he is in, he keeps improving at that rate, the Giants I think are going to have to try to figure out some way to a take keep Terry McLaurin away from him, and b get pressure on Haskins to force him to move because despite what Stephen A. Smith said, and yes, I am still going back to that, Haskins is not a mobile quarterback. He might be able to move around a little bit, but you know, so can Eli Manning and nobody's going to call him mobile. Get pressure on him. Maybe reach into the playbook a little bit. Maybe throw some blitzes at him that he might not have seen and try to get the rookie to make some mistakes. You alluded right into, and you led up right into discussing the defensive game plan and what the Giants need to do in this game. And it seems like it's a reoccurring theme here, but the Giants' best asset is their defensive line. And I think what they need to do in this game is collapsing the pocket as often as possible against Dwayne Haskins. And if he sending extra rushers, it will be very key in that. Sending five will be very key in establishing that kind of pressure. You don't really need to bring him down or chase after him for the very good reason that he's not very mobile. He's a very big quarterback. He's not unathletic. He's just not very quick. His feet aren't quick. He doesn't move that fast. They do run option plays with him because teams aren't expecting it or know what to do against it. And it works well when he pitches it to Adrian Peterson but you can see very well that he does not escape pressure in more athletic pass rushers very, very well. You, you see him realize that there's an oncoming pass rusher coming at him, and it takes him a couple seconds just to get going and moving forward. And by that time, he's taken down at or right before the line of scrimmage. So as much pressure as possible, five men, six men from time to time, send that kind of pressure because... If you don't sack him, you can at least rely on him to throw incompletions, make mistakes. He's done that often this season when he's flustered and he's freaking out. It's the same thing that you're going to say about any rookie quarterback unless they're the most poised and composed rookie quarterback ever, which is very rare. Any rookie is going to freak out when there's a lot of pressure coming at them, especially if they didn't properly check and protect for it. So making his day a living hell is going to slow down that offense. Yeah, and I would say, just to build upon that, take it advantage of the fact that Brandon Scherf is not there. He is injured. I believe he's on the injured reserve. Send A-gap pressure. Send A-gap and B-gap pressure. Maybe use, instead of using him at edge, use Lorenzo Carter up the middle as a pass rusher. Or send Alec Ogletree as a pass rusher. Don't have to worry about him in coverage then. So... Get that pressure, try to create those athletic mismatches inside. And basically, like you said, uh, Dwayne Haskins is a pocket passer. He is, despite playing for Urban Meyer and Ohio State, he really is a prototypical pocket passer. So pressure in his face is going to disrupt him. He's not going to be able to kind of sneak out and scramble and extend plays all that well so if i was kind of putting a game plan together that would be one of my 
one of the things I would set out to do from the beginning is get that pressure and get it up the middle. Take advantage of your big de- defensive tackles, some of your athletic guys who can really cause problems for their interior offensive line, and then go from there. Now we know what the Giants need to be able to do and what they're going to have to do if they want to get a win this Sunday. We'll have to see what actually pans out and if these strategies end up working or if the Giants end up implementing them. That being said, thank you for tuning in. As always, be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to us and also follow us on social media at Big Blue View and also at Joe DeLeon, D-E-L-E-O-N-E. And you can follow Chris at Raptor M-K-I-I. Feel free to reach out to us on social media. If you ever have any thoughts or questions, we will do whatever we can to get back to you. But always feel free to reach out to us. We're very polite. We're very friendly. Don't be afraid of us. Have a wonderful rest of your day.